Welcome back to the FNF Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Before we welcome today's guest, I want to share with listeners that we recently published the preseason edition of FNF Coaches Magazine, which has a theme of fighting the good fight. We share stories about ways in which coaches are dealing with the impact of the pandemic, from the challenges offered by postponements, cancellations, recruiting dead periods, fundraising shortfalls, and the mental health toll on players and coaches. We'll be publishing stories from the, that edition on our website at fnfcoaches.com. If you're interested in subscribing to the magazine, look for the subscribe tab at the top of the page at fnfcoaches.com. Also, the FNF Coaches podcast is available on iTunes as well as various other platforms, including Spotify. Get a free year-long subscription to FNF Coaches print magazine, which includes six editions delivered to your door when you do the following. Download our podcast on iTunes or Spotify, subscribe to it, leave a review or a star rating, and send us a screen capture of your review to fnf at aeengine.com or uh, send a screen capture to our FNF Coaches Twitter handle at FNF Coaches. Today's guest is Bob Putnam, who has covered high school football in the Tampa Bay region of Florida for more than 25 years first with the St. Petersburg Times and later for the Tampa Bay Times. Writing about locals is his passion, and he's a fourth-generation Floridian who graduated from Dixie Hollins High School. Bob, welcome to the po- podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. How's, how have you been holding up with the pandemic? Is everything o- going okay with you? Yeah, everything's fine. Uh, you know, I run a website now called Primetime Preps, and then um, you know, just kind of uh, been able to follow uh, high school sports. You know, uh, throughout this whole time, uh, it's been kind of uh, interesting to do because you know I've been doing it without a single high school game being played. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I started it in uh, um, April, and you know now we're finally being able to uh, have games uh, being played here in Florida. Yeah. Now, so what have you been writing? Is it more, you know, like college commitments, recruiting lists, things like that? Or are you actually uh, doing stories on, you know, what teams are doing for training during the pandemic and, you know, at home workouts and things like that? Uh, A lot of news, you know, that's happened, you know, like when things are going to start, when it possibly, uh, you know, could start. What are the protocols that have, you know, been put in place? Um, and uh, but also some recruiting uh, and some features uh, as well. Now, where does it stand in Florida? Every we've been keeping a, a state by state start date um, on fnfcoaches.com, and it's gotten pretty crazy because you know some states have already started. I think Alabama has started, uh, Utah, and then a bunch of other states in the South have started. Whereas um, some of the states pushed it to the spring, some have pushed it to the winter, and then some states are kind of splitting and doing separate things. Like I just talked to a coach in Missouri last week where it sounds like half the state is going to be playing in the spring and the other half is pushing ahead for the fall. What's it look like in Florida right now? So Florida, it's going to, uh, they're going to start as early as Friday. Uh, there's, it's mostly uh, private schools, a few few other counties uh, that are you know sprinkled throughout the state that are going to start um, this Friday. Most uh, that I can that I can gather are going to start the following Friday on September 11th. Um, that's a lot of public schools, especially in the uh, Tampa Bay area. 
Um, Miami Dade is probably going to be a little bit more of a delay, just hit a little bit harder with uh, uh, COVID cases. But um, uh, right now, you know, there it's you know at least there will be some games being played uh, this Friday. Have you seen many coaches that have been practicing uh, have any any spread of the virus or have to stop and start or do anything like that this this summer? What was kind of the the you said Miami Dade got hit a little bit harder? Yeah, just in, in terms of the county, not necessarily teams. Um, uh, so they kind of had a de, uh, you know they're much more of a delay and start. Now there have been some cases of uh, teams during like summer conditioning that have been hit. Um, generally, uh, health department guidelines um, have called for that player who tests positive to sit out for 14 days uh, until a, a negative test comes back. But on top of it, uh, anyone that comes within six feet for a 15-minute duration also has to be quarantined. So it's, it's really hard um, because, you know, one positive case could end up, um, you know, having a whole team sit out for roughly two weeks. And then, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, say, if a test comes when, uh, a, you know, two teams have already played. Now, now it looks, you know, it, it might affect two teams. You know, you might have uh, both of those teams sitting out for two weeks. So it could be... Um, you know, somewhat problematic, you know, in terms of trying to find a schedule and things of that nature. So there's going to have to be a lot of flexibility in that as the season goes along. Yeah, I would assume that's really must have changed the way teams practice, because like you said, if if you have to account for every player who's been within six feet of another player who's tested positive, you it's almost like you want to prevent against that even prior to the the positive test by having drills that, you know, they're spaced out and you're doing the social distancing during practice, wearing masks, what, what type of safety protocols have they had in place for practices? So during summer conditioning, they, they split them into groups. Like you could, you could be in no more than um, uh, roughly uh, 10 per group. Um, And then they, they kind of increased those numbers as, uh, as phases went along. They, they, divided things into phases phase one two three and then and then they would gradually allow the weight rooms to be open the locker rooms to be open um you know you wore uh masks um not necessarily during conditioning but before and after um the uh one of the other things that they did uh was a questionnaire uh so if you if you had symptoms that um appeared to be uh covid-like they would have you sit out. Some counties also have done temperature checks, but it, it's a little bit hit or miss as far as that. Uh, and those are some of the protocols that have been pl- in place so far. Um, weight rooms, even now to this day, still very limited. Um, they're, they're just gotten pads within the last week or two. Um, so now they're kind of moving forward as far as getting ready for, uh, you know, a season. It, it was, a, it was a quick turnaround though, because the, uh, the state association, the Florida high school athletic association, uh, only, you know, approved practice dates just a few weeks ago. So they, you know, they were able to start on the 24th, but, you know, with some playing as early as, uh, you know, 
September 4th around uh, around the state, you know, you only had like a roughly a two week period just to get even ready for a game. Yeah, I wonder what that'll mean for the quality of play. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely a concern for coaches that their guys haven't had as, as much time. In some ways, they they've had more time because they've been on these zooms and they've done position meetings and they've gone over all the film and they've so in that regard they're probably where they normally are, if not a little bit ahead. But then physically, you know, the conditioning, the strength training hasn't probably been as consistent. Or um, it, you know, they're probably about three weeks behind when the when the regular season even starts normally. I think in Florida, it's usually like mid August. They they at least start their scrimmages, and now it's. Um, you know, they're three weeks behind with a lot a lot less practice. What's it like? Uh, I know, you know, when I was uh, covering a lot of high school football up here, that one of the one of the best days to get out and cover it is the first day of practice. And, you know, as a reporter, it was fun to see all the enthusiasm behind it and, you know, stand on the field and just watch guys, you know, the excitement of the, the coaches and the players. And I would imagine this this season, you know, coaches are probably pretty protective about having people outside the program uh, show up to practice and, you know, stand on the field and be close to players and things like that. Are, are reporters even allowed to uh, attend practices in person or what have you found in terms of the, the accessibility? Uh, they can. Um, usually you uh, have to call ahead. Uh, gets get some kind of approval from either administrator or principal um, to, to be out there. But they've been, that part, they've been pretty um, accommodating. It's going to be a little different come game time. Uh, so most counties uh, I, are going to restrict uh, the access to like one end zone. Um, I know some are going to like use another end zone to place the band, have a, uh, chair spread out kind of social distance to at least have the band there not necessarily playing on the field but in one end zone um press boxes are going to be very limited i would imagine only about four people maybe one coach in each booth and then a clock operator and a pa announcer um and then obviously fans it's going to be uh, pretty restricted too so the the access game time i think is going to be even more restricted than the actual practices yeah, especially I, I don't know that I would want to sit in a press box just be, in terms of the ventilation and air quality. I've sat in some press boxes before that are pretty old and rickety and, you know, that it doesn't seem like they have the best ventilation in some of those old high school press boxes. And so and there's no reason that you can't just sit in the bleachers because there's going to be plenty of space this year. Like you said, what is the occupancy they're talking about having in terms of fans? Is it, you know, 20, 25 percent, something around there? Uh, yeah, so. um uh, most are down to about 25%. Um, and what they're going to try to do to limit um, money being exchanged and, and you know having hands touching things and of that nature, most are just going to sell strictly online tickets. Um, so, and it also gives them a bet, gives them a better count, you know, of, of where they're at in terms of, uh, you know, keeping that 25% capacity. Uh, so that's going to be the big, um, that's going to be pretty much the standard across the board, I think, is going to be a, a roughly about 25%. Now, you know, they're, all, they're encouraging uh, fans to um, watch games via live stream, and, that, and that's become a, a pretty big thing. 
um, in the state. A lot of uh, a lot of schools have pixelated cameras um, now installed at the stadiums, and uh, through the National Federal Federation of High School uh, Network, um, you know you can buy uh, packages or plans, you know, to uh, to to watch these games. Um, you can watch them all over the country, really. To be honest with you. Right. Yeah, that is, it's available for all coaches to, to do that. So I think the streaming technology is going to be a huge thing this year. And they, you can even host fundraising um, on some of those streaming sites, your team pages, you know, you can put up fundraisers. And I think that's going to be important this year too, because a lot of coaches, um, you know, haven't been able to do the golf scrambles or the team banquets and fundraisers that way where you're in person and you're seeing your uh, sponsors or supporters face to face. So I think, you know, anything online this year is going to be helpful for coaches who are trying to kind of fill in the gaps here. What about um, one thing that I've found at least watching Twitter, and it's, it's probably like this in anything that you see on Twitter is the outs, the most outspoken people kind of are the people who have um, the voices on Twitter. And I think, I've been seeing a lot of high school coaches, you know, start let us play campaigns or, you know, tweeting at their state representatives or governors and, and asking them, you know, let let us get back on the field. We can do it in a safe fashion. Trust us. I was talking to a coach, though, last week who actually was expressing some concerns about, you know, playing this fall. And he was like, you know, it might be better off if we buy ourselves some time. And play in the spring, he said in his state they had put it to a vote and it was almost 50-50 in terms of coaches who wanted to play in the fall versus who who wanted to have it postponed for the spring. And like I said, that's not at all what I've been seeing on Twitter, but I do think the vocal majority of coaches are saying, you know, I want to play because you're not going to go on Twitter if you're scheduled to play this fall and say, hey, I really don't want my kids out there because, you know, that's not really going to motivate them to play. But what, what have you been hearing from coaches? Have you heard from coaches who are saying, like, hey, give us a little bit more time to get a handle on this before we ta- put our kids back out on the field? Yeah, I mean, I think the vast majority obviously wanted to play in the fall. Um, I think that was that was definitely the case. But there was, uh, I think, some camps, uh, uh, two camps kind of forming in regards to that. You know, some wanted to go very early. Some wanted to go much much later um i you know and i think the the those that wanted to go a little bit later um is to see you know what the cases look like you know now that kids are in school now the kids are back in brick and mortar um you know what those look like and what um and you know and just even what the protocols look like uh in terms of uh getting back on the field um you know, the other thing was a lot of concern was just, you know, the quality of play and, and just the, the safety of it because, you know, you're only, you know, for some of these teams, they're only going to be in pads like five days and then they're going to go and hit a field. Um, and, you know, you didn't have spring also to have that contact or hitting or, or you know, or to be in pads. So you've gone almost a full year, you know, you've gone from like November when your season ended to now getting back in pads. And I think that was, you know, a bit of concern uh, as well. And, you know, the other thing too, is like, if you, if you wait, um, you have a chance, this is at least, you know, in talking with the, the, you know, some of the coaches and their, their thought process, you have a better chance of saving the season because if there's a 
rash of cases and you keep stopping and starting at, you know, at some point administrators are just going to say, we're done, you know, it's over. We're just going to give it up. But if you, if you, if you waited a little bit longer, um, you know, you can be able to see where things are, see where things are. Testing might be a little bit better and you might be able to have a chance to have a full extended season rather than kind of stop and start. So I think that was one of the, some of the main concerns people had in terms of uh, wanting to wait. Yeah, then that and that's a good point. That was one what one of the coaches said last week that I talked to that they were already going to be starting at the end of September. I think they had to finish the season by the first week of December, so they were already losing you know two games or three games. You know, it was going to be like a seven game season or maybe eight game season when they normally have ten to twelve games. And he said, you know. If we do, uh, you know, have if, if somebody on our team gets sick and we have to postpone, there aren't any dates to fill in anymore. And it's, you know, he's like, there's probably not going to be much of a playoff um, or state championship bid for any of these teams that are playing in the fall. Whereas in the spring, you'd have a little bit more time. And um, what is what is the playoff structure going to look like in Florida? Will will they will they have state champions for all the different regions? So the, the, the plan um, right now is you, you have an opt-in date. So uh, on September 18th is like kind of like the deadline, whether you decide to, to be in the state series or, or not be in it. And then once, once, you're, once they've determined who's in, who's out, they'll, they'll draw up the uh, you know, classifications, regions, and things. Uh, everyone that opts in is going to make the playoffs. So there'll be, um, as long as there's a, enough teams to fill out, you know, each region. So uh, what they'll do is have a play in game. Uh, and so it's kind of a little, it's a little bit weird. Uh, it, it's a blind draw, you know, in this first round. So it doesn't essentially reward anyone for a successful regular season, but you do get that, but everyone does at least get that extra game. You know, so if you did have a cancellation or something, you're getting at least one more game out, out of this. Um, and then, then you'll go into your uh, formats where, you know, uh, semifinals, finals and uh, a region and then state semifinal and final. Uh, they want to wrap up. It's kind of like mid to late December. Um, like the, the state championships. So it's not going to, it's not anything that's going to extend like into uh, you know the next year into January. They still want to keep fairly a uh, regular schedule that they've had all along. Yeah, that makes sense. It's um, and you'd like you said, I, it's a, it's important to consider that there's so much is up in the air. Cause we have, you know, nobody was in school in the spring and we don't know, you know, what the numbers are going to look like now that so many kids are going back to school. It usually takes a couple of weeks before the numbers start to spike. At, you know, when you see, you know, these crowds forming together. Uh, so there, that's still TBD. You know, we don't know what that's going to look like, um, you know, a couple of weeks from now or a month from now. Um, other, oh, go ahead. Thing, uh, in Florida, you know, and uh, particularly in Florida, it's also very problematic not just with games, but with practice too, is um, uh, dealing with, uh, you know, obviously hurricanes that can come through at any point, um, you know, especially in the uh, month of September. And then now, um, because we've had some, uh, some heat-related deaths in the state, 
you know, they've, they've passed legislation now where um, each team is required to have uh, a wet bulb thermometer. Um, and they also have had like uh, lightning detectors too. So, um, you know, even, even now, you know, the past couple of weeks, I, it's, you'd be hard to find a team that did not have at least one practice that was interrupted because of either A, being too hot or B, you know, some kind of lightning delay, you know, and then you're also dealing with that on top of uh, COVID too. So it's, it's a lot on a coach's plate all at once. Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy year for coaches and for everyone. Uh, it's uh that is, that is going to be difficult. Um, how do you think, so, you know, you, you said the practice time has been limited. The time in pads has been almost non-existent. Do you think, is there a way that coaches will strategize and game plan to kind of work around that? It, it would seem, you know, if you're not having the contact practices, it's probably your linemen who are the least uh, conditioned or at least ready for the full thing. So is it more, you know, kind of quick passing game, RPO type stuff, or is it, what, what do you, what do you see in terms of the way that this will impact the way game plans are shaped this year? I don't think the game plan will necessarily um, change, but I mean, you, you may have to rotate quite more, quite a few more players, you know, in and out um, just in terms of, uh, you know, getting used to a game situation because you, you know on top of it you don't you don't have a um, preseason game either you know to get uh to, to get a you know any type of an adjustment too not just with uh getting acclimated to game conditions but you know position battles or evaluations or anything of that nature so it's almost like you're kind of feeling your way through you know these first couple of weeks but maybe that might be a good thing you know in terms of admit that might have been the way the state association was thinking in terms of, you know, not putting a lot of pressure, you know, on teams to have to win, you know, I mean, you can kind of go through this season since you're already going to make the playoffs anyway. Uh, you can kind of use that to just, you know, ease into things and, and try to stay as you know healthy as possible. That's true. Yeah. I, I mean, you could treat it almost like a preseason these first couple of weeks too. Because you're, yeah, like you said, you're not going to be punished for losing these games. Although, you know, it's who knows when, you know, if there are, if numbers do go up and you have to put the season on hold, you're, you probably don't want to look back and say, oh, we kind of did a walkthrough of that first game. You're, if you, if you're only going to have a couple of games this year, or three or four games, and I'm not saying they are, you know, they might, they could have a full season. But if, if you look back on it and that's the case, you probably want to go all out for all these games. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting time. What, uh, what, what, what do you, where do you see the sport going in the next year? Cause one of my questions that I keep thinking about is if they push, you know, if, if it doesn't work out for teams this fall or a lot of states have already pushed it to the spring, then you're, I don't know if you lose football players to other sports. If you push it there, I know, or, you know, a lot of kids who are blue chip, you know, prospects are going to enroll at college they already do enroll at colleges early that so they get on campus their second semester and kind of have extra time to get to know those systems I just wonder you know where does high school football go from here and then there's going to be another season right behind it in the fall where you know it could be a spring fall you're playing football you know two seasons in a span of six months I don't know you know what that'll look like in terms of injuries and things like that where do you see football going high school football in the next year 
Um, I think it'll still be uh, it'll still be fine. Um, you know, the the I think the biggest changes are just in um, you know uh, technology um, and, and and things of that nature. I mean, uh, now you know streaming's obviously big. Uh, I think game film is really big because you know uh, college coaches and recruiters you know haven't had a chance. That's all they've had to go on you know, because they can't even go out in person and actually see them. So, you know, your, your, your tape's pretty important um, uh, as well. Um, you know, I've, in Florida, I've always kind of been like an advocate. Um, I think it could work if you started the season in October, first game October 1st, and then play through um, the regular season until like a winter break in December, and then resume the playoffs in January. Um reason I say that is um, it gets you out of the heat. Um, it gets you out of um, a lot of weather delays with the you know, hurricanes, lightning, things of that nature. Um, so you wouldn't have as many interruptions in terms of that. And then, um, you know, you kind of, if you, in the regular season, you know, in December, you get the early signing period out of the way, you get the distractions of like, you know, final exams and the winter holidays out of, out of the way and then you can come back in January and play now you know the the flip side of that is obviously some early commitments um you might not have for the playoffs so there there is a little bit of a drawback in that but I think there's some kind of way to kind of work that where you get you know just push it back a little bit and and um uh, I think there'd be even less interruptions uh, if you did it that way at least in Florida yeah I talked to a coach in California who well, there it was kind of thinking that type of schedule might work. His only concern was, you know, guys kind of losing their focus a, a little bit during the holiday season because a lot of his kids take trips, you know, over winter break and, you know, to, to demand that they stick around and stay close to campus and work out for that week. It's not quite, you know, the same commitment as like college football where they're going into bowl games and you don't have to worry about losing guys to uh, family vacations and things like that. But the, yeah, that coach was a little bit worried because initially they were, they were considering just pushing it back to October in um, California and they ended up pushing it all the way to the, it looks like it's in January now, but um, yeah. So it's a, all those things are, are important to consider, especially in Florida. Like you said, we used to do a campus tour. We're not going to be doing it this fall, but we um, for the last like 10 years we've done, a campus tour throughout the Tampa region and every Friday night we set up at a field, you know, try to catch a big rivalry game, hand out our magazine and uh, do some fun things for the fans. And, you know, obviously with 25% capacity, you know, they're not looking for us to do that at, at schools this year, but um, the, yeah, the hurricanes are always a factor. I feel like one, at least one Friday a year, you know, we're postponing our campus tour and rescheduling it for, November, late October, or something like that, because uh, the hurricanes are a big factor. Now, do you um do you have kids going back to school, Bob? No, no, I don't. Oh, okay, yeah. I was. Are most schools doing uh, in person learning, or are there choices to do remote learning in Florida? Or is there like a hybrid model, or what? What's the what's the school uh, situation in Florida? It's more of a uh, it's more of a hybrid. So you you had the choice to either do um, uh, you know online or or brick and mortar, um, and you know from what I can gather from most at least public schools, 
uh, it was about 60, 40, hmm. uh, 60 going back into the classroom, 40 staying at home. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously we'll see how things uh, play out, you know, as far as, you know, cases, I'm sure if it, uh, any type of mass outbreak or, or explosion of cases uh, that, you know, you could see them all going back, um, you know, strictly to online learning. But, but for now, um, that seems to be the uh, model that's working. Hmm. Yeah, I've, uh, I wanted to ask you one more thing. I was, uh, I live in New England. And, you know, so for the last, you know, 20 years, we've had Tom Brady and the last eight to 10, we've had Rob Gronkowski. Are people pretty excited about getting those two down in Tampa this year or what's kind of been the mood around the Buccaneers? Oh, yeah, definitely excited. In fact, uh, they worked out pretty much all summer at a local high school, um, Berkeley Prep in uh, Tampa. Um, They uh, just kind of, you know, throwing and getting, getting acclimated things of that nature but yeah it's it's definitely um a big topic and you know people are excited but you know unfortunately they're gonna have to watch it at home and you know not be in the uh not be in the stadium to uh to see it yeah is that is that the case for every nfl team across the border they doing it city by city with fans in the nfl this year yeah i think it's team by team uh so um i think i know the cowboys will are gonna have some fans but most have been um a little leery as far as bringing, I mean, I, you know, they'll still be at a, like a 20 or 25% capacity, but uh, you know, uh, I don't think the NFL has made any type of uh, blanket rule. I, I think they're allowing teams to uh, make their own decision on that. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember where the Patriots stand. Like at first they said it was going to be, you know, 20, 25% capacity, something like that. And you would have to buy like a 10, you basically have to buy the entire row of tickets and then, I think the row in front of you and the row behind you would be empty. Um, And so, you know, like whoever you go with would pretty much be your bubble and that's your row. Um, And if you can't fill it, you know, you're just paying for extra tickets. But I don't know. I I thought I heard maybe they decided to at least start the season with no fans in in Foxborough, but I'm not sure where it stands right now. It seems like it changes every day. Well, Bob... um, Teams in the Northeast, yeah, are are doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, yep. Bob, it's been great uh, catching up with you. It's uh, it's exciting. To, uh, on one hand, it's exciting that uh, we're getting started in Florida this week. Hopefully, you know, uh, we keep the numbers down and don't have any of those outbreaks in these high school kids who, you know, I feel bad for the kids who missed the spring season, you know, for spring sports athletes. And now, you know, the fall's in, in jeopardy here. So I really hope it go, everything goes smooth. And, um, you know, hopefully you get a chance to, do what you love and cover cover the high school game over the next month or, or or two or three. That that would be great. But thanks so much for joining us. It's been great having you on the podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And to our listeners, thanks again for joining us. Again, if you are interested in reading the preseason edition of FNF Coaches, which has the theme Fighting the Good Fight, the digital edition is on fnfcoaches.com. Or you can go ahead to the subscribe tab and order an individual copy of the magazine or subscribe um, to the magazine, which has six editions per year. Also, uh, for the FNF Coaches podcast, make sure that you download on iTunes or Spotify, subscribe to it, leave a review or star rating, or send us a screen capture at FNF 
at aeengine.com or send the screen capture to our Twitter handle at fnfcoaches.com. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. It was great talking to our guest, Bob Putnam. We look forward to talking to you again this week. Thank you. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.